Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. I know it's Tuesday, our first live Hammer and Nigel show of the year 2023. You've got to get that sponsor, right, guy? <laughs> How are you, man? That's right, man. We're doing a Tuesday edition of Monday Gun Day. And thanks to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, and accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at Fort FortLibertyFirearms.com. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. You yeah. sent me, I almost forgot, you sent me that article about how the NRA has recognized your client, yeah. Eli Dicken, who was the hero in the Greenwood Park Mall uh, mass shooting, uh, stopped him, stopped the shooter from killing even more people. Unfortunately, three people lost their lives before Eli was able to take him down. And I mean, I, that's, I, th- I think that's a big deal when, when some, uh, an organization like the NRA takes time to recognize something like that. Yeah, right? what, what, what happened? happened is uh, a writer for the NRA magazine, which is called America's First Freedom, uh, contacted me and, and wanted to, to interview Eli. And, you know, Eli's not making any public statements, but he's authorized me to to do so, do so on his behalf. And so I gave an interview uh, to this gentleman, and just today in that magazine, they published really a very nice article uh, talking about what a hero Eli was and, and how this really demonstrates how a law-abiding citizen who, who's willing to step up and uh, put his own life on the line, put himself in harm's way, can have a tremendous impact and save a lot of lives. And that's exactly what Eli did. And it was nice to see the, the article come out uh, from NRA. That brings us to uh, New York. Um, the NYPD prevented this attack, although several officers were hurt. Could have been worse. This radical uh, jihadist decided to bring a machete to Times Square, New Year's Eve yeah. celebration. And uh, the NYPD saw the signs. They see something, say something. They took this guy out. I think, uh, but again, NYPD officers were. Uh, were hurt, could have been worse, but th- you know, thanks to New York's carry laws and the fact that they the city declared Times Square as a quote unquote sensitive area, no law-abiding citizens would have had a gun on hand, hand to deal with the threat had police not noticed this guy beforehand. Yeah, and and that's what New York has done, and 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 the governor out there, as we were talking about, uh, is, is so incredibly anti-gun. But the Supreme Court's decision here, uh, I started to say this year, in fact, last year, um, the Bates case that came out and said, listen, New York cannot prohibit law-abiding citizens from having the right to carry handguns in public, which they'd been doing for years. And then there was some, some uh, rhetoric in that decision that said this is not to say New York can't prohibit guns in in so-called sensitive areas. And by sensitive areas, Nigel, they're talking about schools and you know, in jails and other places, um, you know, secure area of the airport. 
Um, but what New York did in response to try to circumvent the whole uh, impact of the Supreme Court's decision uh, is to declare every damn place a sensitive yeah. area. And I'm, obviously I'm exaggerating, but Times Square and a lot of other public places where people gather, which is exactly where you would like to have the ability to defend yourself, declared those all sensitive areas um, and continue to, to, to ban guns there. And my first thought on seeing this article, and one of the reasons I sent it over to you, is that is that you know I resent the hell out of not having the ability to defend myself and my family when I'm out in public. Like, you know, I came down and as we were talking about, went to a, a nice restaurant here in Izzy's uh, on New Year's Eve in the afternoon. Then went to a great uh, Pacer game when Pacers yeah. uh, uh, won against uh, the evil L.A. Clippers and Paul George. But you know, since I was going into the stadium and had to go through a metal detector to get into the stadium for the Pacer game, I couldn't carry my gun while we're walking around. You know, I, I parked here at the station. We're walking around, you know, several blocks downtown, and I and I, you know, and we're walking past you know homeless people that are giving me the eye and saying stuff yeah and i I resented the hell out of being in a position where i wouldn't be able to defend myself other than with my hands um and fists and feet um to you know if something happened out on the street in order to defend my wife and and, and to protect myself and if you live in new york man that's what you're faced with i mean here some guy pulls a machete out and I'm assuming machete is probably on the list of uh, weapons that aren't allowed in sensitive areas, <laughs> along with I'm, guns. I'm right? sure that's true. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> a giant yeah. bladed weapon's not allowed either, but he tried to bring that and was successful into Times Square. Yeah. But see, that's what politicians in New York and, and other places that support this kind of gun control. They don't care. They don't care that they leave law-abiding citizens completely defenseless because it promotes their political agenda. They they wouldn't have cared, you know, that, that multiple uh, private citizens uh, and police officers too, for that matter died at the hands of this guy they're not going to budge they're not going to say oh wait a minute maybe we should give law-abiding citizens the ability to defend themselves they're just not going to go there but why not what reasonable person for for a second would think that the rules against guns in new york or anywhere else kept him from bringing a gun in the first place it, it's you this, know what i mean like yeah, oh yeah like, but that, he didn't but that's look at those rules he didn't look at those rules and say oh it's a gun-free zone i'm not going to bring a gun maybe i'll just bring a machete but the the issue the big picture is here bad guys with guns don't pay attention to signs that say gun-free zones or sensitive areas that's the essential fallacy <laughs> yeah. right there is that these people are so arrogant um is that they truly believe if they pass a law everyone including criminals is going to follow that law and it's a completely the opposite. Only law-abiding citizens do, right? I mean, if, you, if you're looking at two years in prison for carrying a gun to Times Square for the New Year's Eve celebration, a law-abiding citizen's going to go, well, you know what? I better not carry that gun. Just like I said, I'm not going to carry my gun around downtown before trying to get through the metal detector at the Pacer game. But who's not going to care? A guy like yeah. this, radical, you know, Islamic jihadist, uh, if he had access to a gun, would have absolutely carried it. Other criminals aren't gonna aren't gonna follow those laws, and and for some reason, the arrogance of these politicians politicians leads them to believe that they pass a law, everybody's gonna gonna follow it, and it's completely uh, ridiculous. But they continue to do it. Now that you've had time to read all four thousand pages of the omnibus yeah, right. spending bill. <laughs> guy uh anything raise your eyebrow anything uh, of concern in terms of of gun control in the omnibus yeah there, there's a lot there's something like 15 different provisions uh to fund gun control efforts uh, in this 1.7 trillion uh, dollar uh, spending bill and i gotta tell you there's a number of things here one is is they're providing a lot of money 
to uh, individual uh, states and communities, uh, particularly at the state level, to pass more and more red flag laws, uh, which allows the seizure of firearms from from people who have committed no crime, but who are deemed to be dangerous. But overall, Nigel, I got to tell you, the thing that caught my attention that uh, that scares me is that they have increased the ATF's budget dramatically. The ATF is getting $1.7 billion from uh, the federal government, and that increases their budget I, something like 40%. And I got to tell you, right now, if there's a rogue agency out there that I really believe is out of control, it's the ATF. The ATF is doing things they have to know are illegal, just hoping people won't have the the wherewithal, the legal ability to stand up to them. And I see it over and over again. They, they're, they're confiscating guns from people without ever charging them with a crime, just taking their guns, saying no. Nope. Who, who so, was that guy that they tried to name to the head of the ATF? It luckily got voted down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Guy. Yeah, David Chipman, uh, yeah, Waco I, I believe, guy, yeah. was his name. And he even the Democrats decided he was too much of a <laughs> wacko uh, to run ATF. The guy who said, oh, yeah, I absolutely want to ban assault weapons and then couldn't define an assault weapon. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but ATF, given the ATF those kind of resources, it really scares me. Because, look, I'm sure some people at the, you know, on the front lines, and I know a lot of our local ATF people, I've worked with them, and they're, they're good people. A lot of them are gun people. A lot of them be, went to ATF because they're, they're firearm enthusiasts and wanted to work on gun-related issues for the government. But the, uh, the, the uh, appointees and the, the bureaucratic uh, uh, members who control ATF are scary, and they're directly directives out there uh, are, I think, completely inconsistent with the Second Amendment. For instance, there's a whole branch of ATF that deals with um, regulating gun stores, you know, what we call a federal f- uh, firearms le- licensee. And, uh, and and I've had friends of mine who own gun stores have tell me that they've had their local ATF guy that they've, they've worked with for years come and say, you know what, uh, I'm, th- I'm considering leave- leaving the ATF because my job description has changed. It used to be I was to help work with gun stores to keep them on the right side of the law, to help them you know, get through the the myriad regulations and the and the, and the, and and the red tape involved with being a gun owner, and to help them comply. And anymore, it's exactly the opposite. The the the, the a lot of people are hearing in gun stores, their ATF has their ATF agents are saying, it's now my job to find some excuse to put you out of business. And that's the motivation. Wow. That's the order coming uh, coming down wow. uh, from the political appointees, and that's and that's scary and it's disappointing. And it becomes scarier when we now know in this omnibus spending bill they've got almost two billion dollars to spend in those kind of pursuits. Monday Gun Day, Guy Relford. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, more details. Where can they find yeah, you? Yeah, RelfordLaw.com is the best way. Uh, RelfordLaw.com. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> 